the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. There's something that I've noticed and I've referred to it, uh, you know, two or three times, but I wanted to start the program out, and it's the the comparison between the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament and the book of James in the New Testament. And I started looking, well, why is that so? The book of James is so practical, how you to live the Christian life. Matter of fact, in college, my professor, Dr. James Travis, said the theme of the book of James is a handbook on Christian living. And the book of Proverbs has that same mentality. Let me give you an example. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. If you read James 4, 13 through 16, you'll have those same thoughts. This is Bert Harper along with Dr. Alex McFarlane, and it's our joy, treat, uh, excitement to be going through the book of Proverbs, and we're hoping you're enjoying it as much as Alex and myself. Alex, again, I uh, I was telling someone, yes, we'd gone over Proverbs before, but this time we're going over it in much more detail, and what a blessing it is, brother. Well, it is, and Bert, thank you very much for being on today, and thank you, everybody, for listening. We are in the Old Testament book of Proverbs, Proverbs 27, and you know, Bert, as we've been reading through this, I've, I've just noticed how many verses are so well-known, and they've kind of become parts of the vernacular and, and common sayings, and already in the book of I mean, in chapter 27, I see some of those, you know, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Goodness, that's been used in literature, that's been used in movies, um, you know, we don't know what tomorrow holds, you know, things like that. Let another man praise thee, and not thine own mouth, a stranger, and not thine own lips. That's an, an axiom, or a kind of a known truth. But you know what? Uh, Verses 5 and 6 are pretty famous and actually remind me of something from Galatians. But it says, Open rebuke is better than secret love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Those words influence William Shakespeare. But Bert, um, I, I think all of this truth has stood the test of time and has just become ingrained in our parts of speech and vernacular because it's it's just so relevant and important to all people. I mean, uh, God's truth is timeless. It's for every generation, isn't it? It is, and we've talked about a revival. I pray there'd be a revival of these axioms that we've learned from Proverbs in our own personal lives, and uh, we don't know what tomorrow may bring. We That makes me think today is the day of salvation. Uh, You better get right with God, and you better do it now. You better not say, I'm going to wait for a more convenient season. Uh, You never know what a day may bring, what wisdom Mm -hmm. that is. And he was able to articulate it in such a fashion that it can kind of stay with you. And then in verse 2, today, matter of fact, uh, we're continuing to pray for Dan Celia and his wife Yvonne as he is still Uh, overcoming sickness and illness. And so uh, today, you know, we've had some guests taking his place uh, where he's usually doing financial issues. And uh, Jeff Shreve was on today, and he interviewed Tim Tebow's uh, mother. And she said, here's what I taught Tim Tebow, and it was chapter 27, verse 2. She said it, and Devin's laughing because he was he's running the board for that program. And uh, But it was, let another man praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger, not your own lips. Uh, she said she was teaching her children that, and she said, I'm so glad I taught Tim that he, now she calls him Timmy. I can't imagine me calling <laughs> Tim Tebow Timmy, but she taught him that, and it has stood him well as others has praised him. And so let others praise you. Don't toot your own horn. Don't. Uh, be careful. Uh, people, uh, honestly, people will really notice that about you. If if you're so consumed with self, Alex, uh, regardless of where that comes from, uh, it is a turnoff for his people wanting to listen to what else you have to say, you know? 
Well, yeah. Uh, you remember when you and I were going through First uh, Kings, we went through Second Chronicles, and, and they said, um, you know, all the prophets prophesy smooth things and good things, and said, you know, king, live forever. And they said, isn't there another prophet? It says, uh, yeah, there is one more prophet, but I hate him, because he always <laughs> prophesies, you know, negative things. And Micaiah, you remember that? I remember that well, yes. Well, you know, Proverbs says open rebuke is better than secret love, or, or really flatteries. I, I think of Nathan the prophet, who was willing to rebuke King David openly. You see, that, that took courage. And, and let me just say, sometimes the best friend you'll have is not the yes man that rubber stamps everything that you think or say or do, or, um, you know, uh, just always, you know, tells you things that are flattery. Um, the, the one who cares about you may not tell you what you want to hear, but will tell you what you need to hear. And that's why, you know, verse 6 of Proverbs 27, faithful are the wounds of a friend. You think, well, to be wounded? Yeah, I mean, if you needed a reprimand or a rebuke, do you remember in Galatians 4.16, Paul asked the question, and Paul is just so um, skilled at driving a point by asking an obvious question. Paul said, am I now your enemy because I've told you the truth? You know, Galatians 4.16, uh, the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. In other words, the, the, the gentle, well-placed reprimand of a friend is really to be valued, but the flattery and the kisses of an enemy are deceitful, Proverbs 27, 6. There's a lot in here that should teach us about the humility of listening, even when we need a, a word of correction. Alex, even on things that, uh, like a presentation, we're going to bring a new, uh, kind of a new thought for us, you know, to have someone play, and I'm using this in quotes, devil's advocate, and mm -hmm. begin to try to tear that apart, that helps us to stand because if we're presenting a truth and we're going to present it to people like you do in debates, it, it is awesome for somebody to come along and say, now, now Alex, uh, you've gotten that right, but what about the rest of the story? What about that, what that leads to? Same way with me when I've, I've talked with individuals and people come up, and this open rebuke, and it, it's good to have what you say questioned. Now, I don't mean mm -hmm. you should be a person that is always uh, at the person, whether you're saying the truth or not. No, always speak truth. But as you're presenting a truth, uh, you're presenting a side of viewpoint, to have someone there asking the hard questions to examine what you're saying to look further into what you're saying and how you're saying it and saying, you know, that's, I hear your word, but don't you think you could use a better word? And uh, oh, yeah. those are helpful. They're, and Are they painful? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll speak for myself. Every once in a while, they've been painful, but they've been helpful. Mm -hmm. And I'd rather have the pain for a moment than being wrong all the way through. So let that well, pain teach you, you know? You know, uh, let me just say this, and folks, you're listening to Exploring the Word with Bert Harper and Alex McFarlane on the American Family Radio Network. We're in Proverbs 27, and stay with us as we look through this very, very wonderful chapter of God's Word. Bert, um, I won't belabor this point, but we're living in a time when um, a lot of people are not willing to listen to truth, and the ability to think critically and to think precisely and to hear you know, maybe where I've, I've made a mistake. And one of the common fallacies is what's called a non-sequitur. Non-sequitur, from the Latin word, it means not sequential. In other words, that doesn't follow at all. So like if you say, um, well, you know, I'm not so sure about global warming or climate change. And uh, some people say, oh, so I guess you want us all to burn to death in a desert. Well, no, that, that doesn't follow at all. Maybe there's another option. Or when you talk about even things like critical race theory or the 1619 Project, sometimes people will email me and they'll say, well, I, I guess you think it's okay to hate each other. No, that doesn't follow. I'm just saying that uh, <laughs> to solve racism, we don't need to burn down the, the United States. We need to you know, have morals. 
Now, here's my point. Um, when people are unwilling to, to pause and think and to really seek what is good and true, you know, we're, we're in a dangerous place. Uh, and so Proverbs, all of it, but especially verse uh, chapter 27, is a little, little bit of a reminder that we need to remember truth and righteousness and honesty, humility. These are things that we constantly need to commit ourselves to. Um, by the way, uh, verse 7, the full, so, the full soul loathes honeycomb, but to the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. Now, I don't want to get us off track, but there was a poet, Emily Dickinson. This verse prompted her. She wrote this verse, Success is counted sweetest by those who ne'er succeed. To comprehend a nectar requires the sorest need. I mean, here's the thing. If you're full and not hungry, even honeycomb isn't appealing. But if you are hungry, needy, any bitter thing is sweet. Any nectar will be appealing. Bert, uh, we, we don't appreciate what it took to get us all the blessings we have, you know? I mean, do, do you think all of our prosperity has come maybe too easily to a few generations? I, I think that may be the truth. And again, uh, there's, we're, we're living in a way of life here in America that has been so prosperous, so free, uh, that we have taken it for granted. And, uh, you know, we, you know, we have more wealth in our country and everybody wants to redistribute it. It has been distributed well. And, uh, but yet at the same time, if there's some greediness is always wrong. Let's get it. Greed is always wrong. When, if it's capitalism, socialism, no matter what kind of economic uh, system you have, greed does evil. And, but yet in capitalism, uh, you have the possibility of breaking out of that. Uh, in socialism, you know what socialism is? It's, it's just a new way of putting a caste system into play, basically. And I, that, I know that's, that's true. Uh, I, I think I'm on right on that. So here what you're talking about in verse 7 is, is similar to an economic system, that one that is beneficial. And so, but I wanted to get to verse 9 real quickly before we go to break, and you might want to come back to verse 8, but ointment and perfume delight the heart, okay? And the sweetness of a man's friend does so by hearty counsel. Uh, Alex, I could not help but think about the open rebuke that's talked about in verse 5, but then uh, ointment and perfume delight the heart, and the sweetness of a man's friend does by hearty counsel know when to really encourage someone and know when to say, wait just a minute, let's rethink that and uh, be led of the Holy Spirit in doing that. Uh, as a friend, as a spouse, as a parent, be careful how quick you, uh, you know, condemn and, and, and find wrong with your child. Uh, the Bible warns against that. It says, yes, obey them, but parents, don't don't exasperate your children and i think verses five and six and then balanced in verse nine is a good way to try to have your communication hey this is birdie and alex it's exploring the word on american family radio we're in proverbs 27 and we're going to be back with more right after this break this is pause to pray a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Rick Spinrad, Administrator of the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. His agency performs a number of services, including deep sea exploration and protection of marine mammals and endangered life. Psalm 139 verses 9 and 10 reminds us that God leads us as we care for the lands and seas. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Rick Spinrad at the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is the service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. Get your 2022 prayer guide and make this the year of prayer. Available now. 
at pausetopray.org. Watch a romance movie and you'll come away thinking that love is about feelings. But Dr. Tony Evans says if you watch Jesus, you'll realize it's about something very different. He'll explain today as we spend two minutes with Tony. All of the Old Testament can be summed up in the great commandment. And the great commandment is summed up in one word, love. If you want to know how to get God working for you, you need to learn how to love. To love God means you are passionately pursuing his pleasure. So if the question is not asked, how am I pleasing you? Then you do not love God. Now, you can shout. You can say amen, praise the Lord, hallelujah. You can wave your hand in the air like you just don't care. But if his pleasure is not your passion, you do not love God. The first commandment is the love of God. You must decide to love God. And then you must love your neighbor. Love is something you do, not merely something you feel. It's an action concept. How have I pleased God in my action today? How have I served my neighbor in my action today? So one of the reasons that we're not inheritors of eternal life, one of the reasons that we're not experiencing more of the life that we possess if we are already converted is we've not yet learned how to do love. Biblical love is something you got to do. Experiencing more of that life Tony was talking about often starts by going back to square one in your faith. Check out his CD series, Divine Reset, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. We believe in the Holy Spirit and He's given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe that He conquered death. As a bird that wanders from her nest, so is a man that wandereth from his place. Welcome back. We're in Proverbs 27. This is Exploring the Word. Hey, I'm going to give that number a toll-free nationwide. We would love for you to call in with a Bible question today. Bert and I will do our best to give you an answer. So here's the number. It's 888-589-8840. If you've never called in, if you're if you're a first-time caller, we'd love to hear from you today. We're going to get to the telephones here in just a little while. But Bert, I'm going to tell you something. Being from the South, um, you know, we had a lot of friends and neighbors for so long, they really do become just like family. And verse 10 says, thine own friend and thy father's friend forsake not. Uh, I want to go into the second half of that verse in a minute. Uh, But here's the thing. You know, what's interesting. My father's friends, and most of whom are 30 years older than me, but they've become my friends. You know, I grew up, I was just um, the, the little kid around while the big people, you know, talked. But, you know, both my parents are in heaven now. But a lot of my father's friends are now my friends. And I, I kind of think about that, Proverbs twenty seven ten, um, it, And it goes on, it says, uh, Neither go into thy brother's house in the day of calamity, for it is better a neighbor that is near than a brother far off. Now, let me comment, and Bert, you tell me if I'm hitting this in the right way. Very often you have blood kin that you only see rarely, maybe once per decade or something. On the other hand, you've got a neighbor who you see every day or very frequently. Maybe that neighbor is not necessarily genetically blood kin, but they become like family. And, you know, uh, thank the Lord for family, but in a day of calamity like bereavement or somebody dies, um, it's one thing to have a relative over on the other side of the country, but when you've got a neighbor, you need a neighbor, maybe someday you can be a good neighbor. Um, that's why we, we don't forsake our friends. Um, some days we can be a neighbor. Very often we're going to need a good neighbor. I, I think there's a lot of wisdom that we get from verse 10 there about that. It is, and you build relationships. Pastoring a church here in Tupelo, Mississippi, where I live now, where AFR is headquartered, 
Uh, you know, I observed something. Tupelo was a large enough uh, city that people moved in and out quite a bit. And I noticed this. People who moved in to Tupelo that had no family here, they mm-hmm. tended to make friends relatively quick because they had no family here. And and sometimes if you're not careful, uh, your family, yes, you want to be close to them. And, yes, it's a blessing to have them close. But yet at the same time, sometimes it seemed like that people who had no family here did better at making friends. And uh, I, I think this is saying you want to make friends no matter where you are. You want to be a neighbor and 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 help people. You want to be a part of people's lives. And and again, it does show you the again. What is this, Alex? The value of good relationships. That's mm-hmm. one of the keys of the Book of Proverbs. Is relationships. The two chapters before this one, uh, chapter twenty-five and twenty-six, it was all about relationships with the king, relationships with your friends, relationships with your enemies, the relationships you have with those that are slothful, all of it's built on relationships. So this is what it's saying. And he goes on in verse 11, my son be wise and make my heart glad that I may answer him who reproaches me. If somebody comes talking about me uh, or about you, uh, you know, I, I want to have that relationship such with my son that I've passed it on and it, it's good, and, and the evil, they say, uh, is mm-hmm. not true. Uh, you want to live your life that way. That uh, You know, Alex, there's certain people, if they were to come up to me and tell me certain things about people, first thing I'd say, it in no way, it's not going to happen. Now, I've been wrong before uh, because nobody thought Judas Iscariot was the one that was going to betray Jesus. No one said, I know who it is. When Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me, they didn't call out. Like, we've been we've been knowing Judas was a character all along. No, but you know uh, we want to live our lives uh, that would glorify the Lord. And when people hear us, it's kind of like what Paul said about the church at Philippi. Every thought I have of you is good continually. What a mm-hmm. testimony! Wouldn't that be good about an individual, a family, a ministry, a church? Uh, I, <laughs> That's a great, great compliment, I think, that would be well-deserved. Amen. Amen. That's why, you know, don't be quick to burn bridges, you know, folks. George Washington, our first president, said, true friendship is a plant of slow growth. I've often thought about that. But like a tree that can withstand years and years and decades, true friendship can do that. And C.S. Lewis said that uh, friendship— like salvation and family, friendship is one of the things that truly makes life worth living. And so, uh, you know, great great friendships are worth nur- nurturing. They're worth investing in. They, they really are. Uh, verse 11 says, My son be wise and make my heart glad that I may answer him that repro- reproacheth me. A prudent man foresees the evil and hides himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. Amen. Uh, you know, if you see a sign that says uh, danger ahead or bridge out, uh, slow down, be wise. You know, the prudent man, the word prudent really means the person who is able to think ahead. Uh, and it isn't another word for wisdom. I mean, honestly. I, oh, I think so. I, I think they, I'm not saying they're interchangeable, uh, but I would say they're a part of each other, you know. Well, you know, providential and prudential are words that are very similar. Now, only God is providential. God is above the circumstance, but able to intervene within the circumstance. You and I cannot be providential. Only God is. But we can be prudent or prudential. In other words, we can think ahead and, to the best of our ability, plan ahead. And we can do even something more than that. We can pray. And, and we can say, Lord, I've done the best. To the best of my knowledge, I'm doing this, but Lord, give me wisdom. And so uh, verse 12 speaks to that. Um, God is providential, but we can be prudential. Now, verse 13. Alex, Proverbs, before we leave verse 12, do you mind me asking you, what do you think the difference in being simple-minded and foolish? Is there a difference, or is it just a different way of saying the same thing? Well, let me just say this. Um, It's one thing to be uninformed. Is naive another word for simple? 
I, I think so. I, th- that's what I called it. As I was studying yes, this, naive. Hebrew, yeah, being naive and and uh, untaught. Yeah, you, this is reason the scriptures in the New Testament be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. Uh, the Bible, I, th- I think that's a strike against nativity. You know, uh, simple uh, yes. thinking. Good you, word. Okay, I, I just good, good those word. are important. I think to understand there's some difference in it. The foolish. They know they're doing it, but the simple, oh, they yeah. think, it's oh, it's going to work out all right, but it may not. Well, foolishness is the willful rejection of known truth. But to be naive or uninformed, and the word ignorant, I know that sounds like a real insult, but it's one thing to be ignorant in the sense of uninformed. It's, an, it's another place to, to know better and still do wrong anyway. Right. And... Uh, Take his garment that is surety for a stranger and take a pledge of him for a strange woman. Now, this is a very unusual verse, isn't it? Um, Some translations really handle it differently than the King James does. But let let me just say this. Um, You don't want to get involved in some transaction that is uh, based on immorality. For one thing, now the, the book of Proverbs has warned about surety or charging interest. The book of Proverbs has definitely warned about, quote, the strange woman. Um, So at the very least, we're knowing that um, it's wrong to get involved in an immoral or dishonest transaction. But here's the thing. Uh, If somebody is going to sign somebody's note, you better get some collateral, right? (laughs) And that the, the garment... Uh, the surety, a stranger, you don't know this person. You ought not be involved in his borrowing money anyway, but if you're wise, you're, you're going to have to get some kind of collateral. I, I think you're covering that well. Uh, as I was looking at, it, looking at it in different translations, it is amazing, but it does warn you. And again, I'm going to go back to the thing. I know I've, quote, and I'm using a vernacular, beat this horse to death, you know, and it is relationship. Be careful what relationship you have with what that person you're going to be have surety for. I don't care how good it is. You better be careful. The seductress, you better stay away. And uh, so that relationship is to build. Some relationships are to be avoided, Alex, and this is one of them. Well, hey, I got to comment on verse 14 because, you know, I'm from the country, and um, we, Angela, when we first got married, we were living out in a rural area, and there was a fairly nearby neighbor. And uh, guess what time on Saturday morning he would run his chainsaw or lawnmower? <laughs> 7 o'clock on, or 6 o'clock? Which one? Like 6 a.m. Seriously. <laughs> on a Saturday morning, like 6 a.m. He, like he was like your professor that you talked about yesterday saying if, if you're not at it at 7 o'clock, you're backslidden. So, I know. Uh, but at 6 o'clock, the person that's doing it's backslidden. Is that what I'm interpreting that? <laughs> maybe, or maybe at least a little uh, inconsiderate. Yeah. Now, verse 14, <laughs> he that blesses his friend with a loud voice. Rising early in the morning, it shall be counted a curse to him. <laughs> like, you, you know, you don't go through the neighborhood knocking on doors at 5.30 a.m. saying, praise the Lord. Uh, God bless you. Yeah. Now, to bless your friend, that's wonderful. But um, use a little um, uh, common sense about what discretion? kind of... Di- is it called yeah, discretion? Yeah, that's it. Amen. I've always thought that was kind of a funny verse. It and is. I doesn't love it. it show yeah. the wisdom of human nature? It does. And we can get off track easy and justified. We can do that. Yes. Well, uh, well um, are you going to skip verse 15? I'm going to you read skip verse 15. Okay, I was, I'll read it, and then we'll go to 16. A continual yeah. dripping on a very rainy day and a contentious woman or a lack alike. Let me just say, nagging doesn't get very far. That's the only comment I'm going to make. Nagging uh, does not get very far, Alex. It will said. But listen, uh, whoever restrains her restrains the wind and grasp oil with his right hand. Uh, you're not going to be able to hold on to it. Just know that. But that brings us to 17, another. That's what I said yesterday. Read ahead in chapter very 27. And chapter 27 is filled with these verses. Here it is. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Alex, uh, you know, we need friends that will ask us, 
that will question us and ask us, why are we doing that? What are you doing? Uh, do you think that is wise? We need questions asked by our friends, don't we? We do. We do. And and this is, I mean, I would say Proverbs twenty seven seventeen has become kind of one of the axioms of the human race. You know, I've heard it. I've seen it on plaques. Iron sharpens iron. A man is sharpened by the countenance of his friend. Uh, you know, uh, verse 18 talks about the reward of doing the right thing. If you tend the fig tree, you're going to eat the fruit. You uh, give your employer a good day's work, you're going to be honored. Uh, you look in the water, you're going to see reflection. The, the water, uh, face answers to face, you see yourself in the water. So the heart of man to man. Now this, verse 19, really again speaks to, like verse 10, a friendship. Um, if, if you're going to be sharpened by a close friend who can speak truth into your life, you have to have paid the price to cultivate some friendships. And we've talked about this, but the, those three attributes of any relationship, trust, honesty, respect, so that the heart of man can speak to the heart of man. It does. And yeah. it's revealed. Let me say this. What's inside a man will be revealed one day. Uh, mm -hmm. You can hide it and hide it, but usually it comes to the fruit. At least it will be when you stand before God. And that brings us to verse 20. I think this builds up to verse 20 because it's talking about this relationship and how you can be fooled. Listen to this. Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. Now, hell and destruction are never full. Alex, that just, uh, that's... That's tough. It's not. There's room, you know, but you don't mm -hmm. want to go there. You don't want destruction. You don't want hell. But the eyes of a man are never satisfied. What was it, John, the Rockefellers? Uh, I don't. I think it was them. How much is enough? And they said one more dollar, you know. Yeah, and just a little bit. If it more. wasn't him, it was someone in that era, era that they lived. And listen, uh, you remember that old hymn, I'm satisfied with Jesus, but the question Amen. comes to me as I think of Calvary, is Jesus satisfied with me? That is the satisfaction we want, that to know that one day God can say to us, well done, thy good and faithful servant. That should Amen. be the thing that we're shooting for, isn't it? It is. Verse 23 says, be, be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks, and look well to thy herds, for riches are not forever. And doth the crown endure to every generation? In other words, you've got to look after things. You've got to uh, look after the state of your house and, and know what's going on because, hey, uh, wealth can, can be gone. The, the hay appears and the tender grass shows itself and the herbs of the mountains are gathered. The lambs are for thy clothing and the goats are the price of the field. And thou shalt have goat's milk enough for thy food and for the food of thy household and for the maintenance of thy maidens. What you're seeing there in 25 through 27 are the results of being industrious, being mindful of what's going on. Uh, let me just say, uh, and we don't want to get too far off here, but uh, budgeting, planning, uh, inventory, because you've got resources, you've got time, you've got your finances, you've got your strength and ability. And with God's help, we can manage them all. And it starts in verse 23. Be diligent. Whatever you, your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. We're going to take phone calls. Last segment of today, 888-589-8840. Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you today. In his image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. I loved it. I loved how biblically sound it was, all the scripture to back it up. The testimonies were very powerful. If it's a prodigal child that has just run away or one that's caught up in same-sex attraction, there's hope in Jesus. In His Image is now available on DVD and can be purchased in bulk to pass out to friends and family. Order today by visiting afastore.net. It was a bad move. Target invited men who say they feel like women into restrooms and changing areas designated for women. They probably guessed other retailers would follow their lead, but they were wrong. Others saw that bandwagon was headed in the wrong direction. 
We're not ready to sacrifice the safety of women and children for the sake of progressive bathroom policies. Invite Target to make a better move. Sign the Boycott Target Pledge at AFA.net. Having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. After 11 months, the southern border remains wide open, if not functionally erased. Illegal aliens cascade across. From February 1st to December 31st, 2021, Customs and Border Protection apprehended a record 1.9 million illegal aliens on the southern frontier. Versus only 511,000 one year earlier under then-President Trump. That's a 283% increase. And that's just the ones they caught. The Biden administration has had an entire year to improve this rapidly deteriorating mess. Instead, they haven't lifted a cuticle. This is not accidental, folks. This is intentional. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. A young man asked Jesus this question in Luke 10, verse 25. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? The headline of an article read, World Death Rate Holding Steady at 100%. Officials say that death has long been our top health concern. It's responsible for 100% of all recorded fatalities. Despite ongoing efforts from the medical community, there is no cure. Well, that was written tongue-in-cheek, but it highlights this truth. Death comes for all of us, but God has made eternal life possible through His Son, Jesus Christ. You can't earn eternal life, but God gives it to everyone who trusts in Jesus as Savior. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 1 Peter 1.3 American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. If you got pain, He's a pain If you feel lost, He's a way maker. If you need freedom, save it. He's a prisoner, shaking savior. You got chains. He's a chain breaker. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex McFarland with Bert Harper. The number is 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. While we have uh, Bert queue up the calls, I want to remind everybody that our new book, it came out October 12th, 100 Bible Questions and Answers, published by Broad Street Publishing of Minnesota. It's all over the country. It's doing well. And uh, if you like exploring the Word, there are just a plethora of other questions that we've uh, collected over the last decade. And Bert, uh, people say they like this book. They say it's a blessing. And for that, we give God the glory. We do. And you go to afastore.net, afastore.net. You could buy the book, and it also blesses AFR, uh, and so we yeah. hope you will do that. Let's take her calls, and we're going to go to Texas first and talk to Joe. Welcome, Joe. Hi, how are you both doing? Doing well Good. today. Good day today. Yes, it is. I just want to say thank you for all you guys do, for all the sacrifices you make for the Lord's kingdom. Uh, God bless you both. And uh, my question is, in the New Testament, Paul speaks of how a woman's hair is her glory and that it should be covered when she goes before the Lord to say a prayer. Is that something that should still be practiced, um, given the time gap from then till now? And then also it speaks of a man's hair, how it should not be long like a woman. Yet in the Old Testament, it speaks of the, the Nazarites having a long hair. Um, I imagine some way, somehow... You know, even then, we they had long hair yeah. during Paul's time. Mm-hmm. Men did, and uh, what's the right length and and all that has to go. Okay, I'll go in and uh, yeah. hang up and listen to your guys' answer. Thank you. Guys. Thank you, Joe. And what a great question for the day in which we live. Let me make this and be clear: 
identity. Identity is the whole issue. It was the identity then. It is identity now. Uh, in those days, a woman's hair cut, uh, it identified within a, a segment of society, temple, prostitutes, and different. And so keep your identity in Christ, the man, the same way, not effeminate. Keep that identity. Now, what long is or what short is, uh, I, I don't want to do what, go back to a politician's great lines according to what is is i don't want to go back to that but there is discretion in that but i alex even in corinthians i know it was a is the issue of identity wasn't it well well it was i think two things to keep in mind like with this um first corinthians 11 and uh, you know some of the um things that paul says you know the church in corinth was a church You've got, uh, like, Laodicea, which was a very backslidden church. You've got Corinth, which was in a city of great paganism, uh, great lawlessness, and great sexual immorality. And I think the thing to keep in mind is the larger context is, the shall we say, the chain of command in the church and authority. Now, this is not a salvific issue. In other words, um, this is not about being born again, but... The, the Corinthian church was in a place of lawlessness, disregard for moral boundaries, uh, definitely disregard for holiness, and disregard for, for sexual purity. And I, I think the Lord, you got to understand the context to which it was written, and also the purpose. Um, and nowadays it's not so much, um, you know, whether a woman wears a hat to church or not, but it's about authority. And, and purity and Christ-likeness. Now, our, church, our city, the city where you live, may not have all the problems that the city of Corinth had, but still, in every generation, we need to humble ourselves to the Word of God, um, follow leaders that are godly leaders, and assuming they are, you know, the, the preacher and leaders over us are being godly. But, Bert, I, I think to understand that, you have to understand the city of the Christians to which it was written. I would agree. And let me just say this, what I said a little bit further in the identity there, uh, d- let your, the creation of God identify male, female, uh, not, you know, transsexual, not the whole idea. It is of, of Satan, anything like that, that does not keep that identity. And then your identity as a believer and, and the identity and, and that short hair and long hair, was identifying with a certain segment, a certain group. So you want to keep your identity sure. Uh, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. Let your identity be sure. I identify myself as a follower of Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean you're haughty. doesn't mean you're proud. But it does mean that there's limits. And that's what First Corinthians talked about again and again about eating meat offered to idols, about the limitations that I did. Why? So my identity can be in Christ. And so, uh, Joe, I, I think your question is relevant, real relevant today for such a time as this. Thank you so much. Let's go to Tennessee and talk to Mike. Welcome, Mike. Yes, sir. Go right ahead. Uh, yes, sir. I got an autographed copy of your book. I, I should have looked into that one before I called. <laughs> Maybe it's in there. Okay. We Great, our, Mike. Send our pastor to Savannah this fall. Okay, the thousand-year reign, that's where, uh, after, after the tribulation, people that survive. Is, is that correct? The thousand-year reign is those that did survive, but also those that came back with Jesus to reign with him. Go ahead, then. Okay, so the ones that live through it, will they be marrying and having children? And, and last thing after that, I understand Satan is to be loosed again for a period, and I just wonder why in the world you're right. let them loose. You're right. Alex, would you go into that? We This is a good question, Mike, again, because people wonder about this. And, again, this is as best we can tell from the evidence that's given in the Scriptures. Alex and I come from a point of view— we call ourselves literalists. In other words, we do our best to take the Bible as it says, as literal. That doesn't mean Jesus is a door, a door you knock on, but it does mean he is the only way. He's the passageway. So, Alex, uh, what about that thousand-year reign and children being born? 
Yeah, um, well, I would refer people to Revelation 27 and 8, and the thousand-year reign of Christ. Uh, if you read in Revelation 20, you're going to see there's this thousand years of peace on earth. But there will be some people that went into the millennium uh, alive as children. And now remember, Jesus is physically present here on earth, ruling and reigning from Jerusalem. I mean, Bert, this will be the time of the greatest amount of gospel revelation since Christ was here on earth, physically present. And you know what's amazing? At the end of the thousand years, Revelation 20, verse 7, Satan is loosed from his prison, his jail cell, and he goes out, verse 8, and deceives the nation. And there are some people that are going to uh, reject Jesus, though he's visibly here on earth. They're going to believe the lies of Satan and then be gathered together, and they're going to be judged. And later on in Revelation 20, we've got the great white throne. Now, here's my point. We often get the question about the unforgivable sin. And we've talked about it at length, about how really um, the unforgivable sin was really for those people that were only here during the time of Jesus. In other words, if you're here on planet Earth now and you want to be saved, Christ will save you if you'll ask him. But in a way, I think here at the end of the tribulation, it's almost another period in which uh, a blasphemy against the Holy Ghost could be committed. Because you've got, you've got Scripture. You've got clearly history is unfolding exactly as the Bible said. You've got the church of all the ages, and you've got the Lord Jesus physically ruling and reigning. And yet, at the end of the tribulation, some obstinately, uh, sinfully are going to reject Jesus and be lost. Um, that will be, we, we used to say, the greatest amount of revelation that anybody had been privy to would have been those scribes and Pharisees because here's the Messiah physically present before them, and they knew it. But really, even at the end of the millennium, when clearly history has unfolded exactly as the Bible predicted, and people reject and follow Satan, that is condemnation, isn't it? It really is. Mike, thank you for your call, and enjoy that book. Let's go to West Virginia and talk to Casey. Welcome, Casey. Uh, hello, brothers. I feel like I know you. I've been listening to you for so long. Well, amen. Um, <laughs> I have a question concerning marriage and uh, what your take is. I see a lot about divorce, but what does, is your take on what the Bible says about remarriage after divorce? A lot of it has to do with what your free is. If an unbeliever leave, you're free. Free for what's the biggest question. Some people means that means you're just not condemned with them. And uh, mine is, I think it's freedom. Freedom to what? Remarry. And Alex, you have said several times the three A's that Dr. Dobson used. I don't think it's just Dr. Dobson. I think it's from biblical point of view that he gives those. What are the adultery, abandonment, and abuse? That's right. And right. Uh, I, I think the, the divorce from those, uh, I think there is some freedom. Alex, would you answer that? Yeah, well, let me encourage people to read Matthew 19 and, uh, you know, Matthew 5 also talks about this. Um, and, you know, I hesitate to say much because in, in no way are we minimizing the heartbreak of divorce or, or really the seriousness of sin. But I do want to say we serve a God of grace. And, and I've heard people say, well, you know, I, my marriage failed and I repented and I married a Christian person. We've been married for 30 years and we've lived a Christian life. But the preacher says for 30 years I've, you know, been in a state of adultery or something like that. Um, I don't really agree with that. Uh, God takes us as we are, where we are, and um, we all make mistakes. Uh, we we affirm the holiness and the sanctity of marriage, but Bert, it's a broken world, and I don't think people have to walk around in a state of guilt for decades, even if they, even even if uh, the past relationship dynamics were less than biblical. I think if we ask God for forgiveness and uh, we truly 
from that point forward live biblically, he does forgive and restore and can bless the marriage a person is currently in. I think you're right. Let me add one thing. The marriage that you're in, if you've been married and divorced and you've married again, God wants that marriage to work. God wants that marriage after death and you remarry. God is interested in that marriage working. And uh, so that's, I, I believe that is a biblical answer as best we can. There are those that disagree, kind of like eschatology about things to come. There are some mm-hmm. good, good people that disagree. But I honestly believe that what Alex and I say on that is uh, biblical. And uh, we hope that, that that helps, Casey. Let's go to North Carolina, the great state of Alex McFarland. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and talk to CJ. CJ, what part of North Carolina are you from? Uh, I'm on the coastline near, like, Kit Carteret's uh, Moorhead City area. Oh, okay. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Well, welcome, yeah. brother. You got a question for us? I, I do. And I'm going to try to frame it the best I can because I'm wrestling with this. Long story short, um, I am subjected to, like, the COVID vaccine mandate thing, uh, and, and, and I'm, I personally stand at risk of losing my job, right? So my question is, uh, I've got Christian friends who have a very different conviction than I do, um, and I know Scripture talks about the importance of sticking with your conviction. So if, if my conviction, for example, leads me to, to stand my ground up to the point of potentially being fired from my job, why would it be that someone else of the same faith um, have a different conviction? Like, and I don't even know if that's the right question, but I'm just looking for some guidance on this idea of standing for what you think is right, even when this, the situation itself may not be like a sin. CJ, thank you. And we're saying a lot of people are in this thing. Let me give you one idea on Alex. I want you to take us out on this. But before, sometimes before we say, I'll not take that job, I won't do that. You might want to do what Daniel did, and he gave a creative alternative to before he took the king's uh, meat and the king's wine. And he said, how about this? Try that religious exemption. Try those others. Do what you can in order. When you feel like and it's that strong, uh, try that. And then when the time comes, uh, you may have to take your ground and lose your job. You may have to, or you may Take the the vaccine or the shot, I would call it. Alex, what would you suggest for CJ? Well, brother, I'm sorry you're in this position. It's unfortunate that a lot of people are. Um, Let me say this is something you are going to have to decide in your heart with prayer. Um, You know, the, the, the recommendations are all over the map. Let me just say for everybody, legally and uh, medicinally, you know, Friends, you know, you make the decision based on the best information you can, consulting with your doctor. If your job is at risk, uh, maybe an employment lawyer. We in no way are going to give anybody advice about what you ought to do regarding this. Um, Because, Bert, I, I know godly doctors that I've interviewed that say take the vaccine. I know godly, very wise doctors, I think, that have questioned this and said um you know we just there might be health implications so i i'm just hesitant to speak but with with everything seek the lord do what honors christ and what you have peace in your heart about and make sure the decision you make is the decision that you can live with two things real quick it's the mandates that afr has really come strong on the mandates forever and Mm -hmm. wrong but the issue other issue that we're talking about i think it's changing right now because it's changing and uh, the immunity that someone has seems like is from having the having the the vac- having the uh, disease is as strong as the vaccination. So we we'll see how it works out. We'll be back tomorrow with more of the Book of Proverbs.